0: The soul of summer in Columbus: the long weekends, the return of festivals, the connection with friends on a rooftop under the stars, the just five more minutes while on an adventure with your tiny travelers. Long live summer and the exploration of Columbus's neighborhoods. Discover itineraries from your favorite Columbus residents like Jenny Britton and Coyote Peterson, and learn how to make this summer one to remember. Plan every detail, every minute of summer at ExperienceColumbus.com/liveforward.
2: It's a rap rap podcast It's a rap rap podcast It's a rap raspberry-
3: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Razball Prospect Podcast, powered by Prospects Live. For the first time, this is, of course, your host, Ralph Lifshitz. This is a very special episode. Not only do I have my main man, my my co-Batman, I was going to call you Robin, (laughs) but that's insulting, Lance Brozdowski. We also have one of my favorite, I guess, uh, uh, minor league writers, scouts, scouting report writers, Ah, uh, John Ashelman of Twenty Eighty Baseball is joining us tonight. So, John, welcome to the show. Great to be here.
1: It's great to be here. I'm trying to think in this analogy: if if, if there's co-Batmen, like uh, you know, the
3: Joker is a little too easy. We'll just be the Justice League. We have like enough people, right? We <laughs> can add a couple more people in the background. Yeah. We'll just yeah, pretend yeah. Jason's here and Jason Barini. We'll, we'll get everybody together and we'll just, we'll just be the Justice League. A prospect.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a. It's a. It's. um you know, one of the things that I sometimes, uh, mention to people when they ask me about it is like, you know, the, the media side of this and the people that are getting out to lots of games and stuff, um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty nice community, you know, like mm-hmm. you just mentioned some, you know, you mentioned Jason, uh, Panini. I, you know, I talked on the phone with him today, you know, like it's just, um, you know, it's one of the things that I don't think people realize that I, I really like about working in this industry is, is the level of collaboration and, and kind of the mutual um, understanding and bond that a lot of a lot of people have of trying to figure out how to do this and make it work—at least in my
2: case—I love it. <laughs>
1: how to how to do it, make it work uh, for a career. So,
2: absolutely, John. So imagine we're in an elevator of baseball, and you have to be t- <laughs> <laughs> This is good. good. We're going We're more metaphorically. We're at the winter meetings. Yeah, there we go. We're at the winter meeting. You're in an elevator with Scott Boris. <laughs> no, you're just an elevator. Epstein. <laughs> you're an innovator oh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> an elevator with me, and I've never met you. Give me the two-minute pitch on who John Esherman is.
1: Yeah, well, I am um, – uh, uh, what's my title? Uh, I'm Senior Evaluator of Pro Scouting at 2080 baseball. So, uh, I do pro scouting work. I went, I just counted, I did 128 baseball games this year Mm. and I'm still cranking out reports, um, and spotlights from all that work. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm in the process of trying to, uh, do what I need to do and learn what I need to learn to become a professional baseball scout and do it for a career. And, uh, this is a career transition. Um, before this, I, I was in academia. Um, and I, I had a couple positions there. And I hope to bring some research background and some skills to the baseball universe. But right now, it's about uh, becoming a better scout every single day and getting my reps and learning from people that have done this for their whole careers. Because uh, I'm still very green and very new, and I have a lot to learn. So... I don't know.
2: Absolutely. No, that's a good pay. It's probably less than two minutes, there, too well done. I uh, yeah. <laughs> feel like those always run over.
1: So AJ Breller's going to be in a hurry, man. When I <laughs> corner him in the elevator and pull the, like, alarm and stop it and be like, hey, AJ. Uh, <laughs> so about
2: that Osberg contract. You know, good choice The GM. Those
1: arrive, I'm going to have, you know, I'm looking like 30 seconds. Like... <laughs>
2: It's good. You've consolidated it down, John. I think it'll work. So you mentioned the scouting side. That's what we have you on here for. We want to dig into some of that. We're going to start, probably do about maybe 30 or so minutes about just general philosophy questions. And then we're probably going to do the second half of the show on specific players. We have a nice little list of guys here that you've seen that I've actually seen some of, and I believe Ralph's seen some of as well. So we're all going to kind of yeah. run through all those. And then the final piece of the show is going to be a small... Uh, as you described a 2018 Cray-Cray Dynasty League Magic. So uh, I'm excited for that. It's going to close out the show and a little oh. bit of a rebuild, I believe you did, John. So let's start this, yeah. though, with some more general scouting thoughts. Um, my first question off the bat, I like to ask this to anyone who kind of is in the pro scouting circles. In what ways do you scout that you think are different from other people you know?
1: Um, well, my, my background is different. So uh, when I first started doing this, I – and I think it's true for a lot of people when they start doing this is that they see not being able to like break down mechanics right away or hitters mechanics or all those types of things and not having that, like growing up, you know, like I didn't coach, I didn't play professionally, like all those things, like feel like you're deficient that way. But I, I, I feel like what I bring to it is, um, you know, my backgrounds in qualitative research, I'm, I'm an observational researcher. So I feel like I have a pretty good sense of, of watching the player go through lots of different processes um, whether it's through batting practice or through the different bats or in the field or pitching whatever it is and and be able to deduce from from that broader base kind of like panning out view um, certain aspects of what the pitcher what the player is 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 really talented with and what they might need to work with if that makes any sense it does
2: it's it's interesting i feel like it almost seems like you take a little more of like a qualitative approach and some of the maybe intangible things, which I know we were talking about a little bit pre podcast, but I think that's definitely a differentiator in terms of what you're able to bring to the table in terms of reporting and stuff. So I, th- I find that really interesting. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, like the, the, there's someone um, in a front office that told me that if I'm looking to get a job as a scout, like there's probably 10 or 15 guys that didn't get jobs this past year that had them the year before. It's an incredibly competitive, hard business teams, Some teams are 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 dropping scouts. Other teams are adding them in certain ways, level shifts. Like those scouts that are at home that didn't get jobs, like they've scouted a lot more than me. They've done the schedule. They've done the road. Like they're probably better at a lot of the things that I'm gonna be ever be at. So like I have to figure out what I'm really good at, what I can do that they that the other scouts aren't doing. Because every scout I think probably has to do that. You have to figure out what our strengths are, just like in any career, what differentiates you. So like I try to play those things as strengths.
2: How, how long? Know. How long did it take you to kind of get an understanding? Because you said you didn't coach. So how long did it take you to become proficient? I should say with a lot of the mechanics of pitching and hitting.
1: Um, I mean proficient. Like I don't know. Like I'm I'm learning all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like just this year I've gotten better at putting the whole package together. So breaking down each aspect. You know we have a a mechanic section for both hitters and pitchers, breaking out, breaking down, you know, each individual thing the pitcher does. Like here's his, you know, here's, he's, you know, he does a semi wind up. He raises his, you know, he has a chest high leg raise versus a belt high leg raise, those types of things. Like it hasn't been hard for me to like learn and talk to other scouts and talk to my supervisors on how to see those things, mm-hmm. but how to put them all together in the overall, like what, what does that mean? How fluid is it? How much effort is it? You know, like, I can break a swing down all these ways and talk about fat and stuff, but, like, validity is, like, fluidity is, uh, is a lot of what it comes down to. You know, like, it's a huge thing. So it's, like, how does it all kind of work together, you know? So that's something I'm learning every day, and I'd say this is the year that I really got to it. That's you
2: really know?
3: interesting. As I say in particular, they're, like,
1: you know – things that you look for when
3: you're at a game, are are there certain aspects or, or things that just sort of just come easily that jump out to you that sort of set the baseline of your evaluation?
1: Uh, things that jump out. Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, things that set the baseline of my evaluation. Yeah. Like approach. So like, that's not, that's something that takes, that takes a couple of bats with a, with a hitter. Um, to, to figure out, you know, to see, but like, yeah, I want to see uh, uh, approaches is as is a huge baseline with any hitter. Um, and then athleticism of course is going to be a, a big other baseline indicator because it, it can tell us so much about how the player is going to progress. Um, and with pitchers, um, uh, with pitchers, uh, it's just pitch. I mean, for me with pitchers, it's just pitches. You know what I mean? Yeah. Delivery matters. A lot of different things matter, but ultimately it's, um, it's the quality of the pitches that are going to be the base of where I start with any, with anything with those guys. Um, And then, you know, I factor in the delivery. I factor in um, the body. I factor in all those other things, but um, I want to see quality pitches, right? I'm going to start with the quality of the pitches. Sure. it's A little bit different as you get younger. um, You know, the amount, the delivery and the amount that athleticism matter to me, it goes up. um, The younger a player is, and the, the current stuff matters less. But this current stuff still matters. It's still the baseline. You know, the that's where the report for a pitcher starts for me.
3: Interesting. And 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 in particular with pitchers, just to sort of piggyback on that, how much do you value sort of feel versus versus stuff? You know, pitchability versus just raw movement, velocity, all that, all that sort of thing. I mean, what's what what is the more important part to you?
1: Oh, I mean, I don't think there's an answer to that question. Uh, because it's going to vary so much, pitcher to pitcher. Sure. Um, I think you know when we, you know, when I was doing prep for the show, I thought a lot about it, and that's kind of where I came to. Like, you know, for me, it's it's going to be stuff, stuff. It probably goes stuff, pitchability, feel in second, um, mm. and, and then mechanics third. But like, they all matter to the point that like. I can't write an evaluation and like feel good about it without evaluating all those things. You know what I mean? Like it's not like it's just, it's just, you have cases where like maybe I don't have an example off the top of my head, but it might come to me. Like maybe someone um, you know, there's cases where guys don't have great arm action or don't have good, great deliveries, but they have really good stuff Mm. and they shove like they want to shove. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, at the same time, there's guys that uh, kind of can look like that, and you think they're going to be like that, and it ends up that the delivery really just becomes too much of a bear if the body backs up a little bit, and all of a sudden they they're they're having trouble locating or whatever. You know.
2: Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I got a question actually, John. When you're seeing a pitcher for the first time, do you generally <laughs> feel like go you through. can you can ascertain all these Things, to some extent off the bat, because that's something I've always been interested in. I, of course, I mean, I feel like at point, at some point there's diminishing returns on how many times you see a guy. But I also feel like every time you see a guy, it, you get more comfortable with your analysis of the player. And I think with how many games that I've gone to this year for Fort Wayne specifically, like that, I got very comfortable with a lot of those guys. I was, I was comfortable saying certain beliefs of mine on them as opposed to seeing a guy like one time and just being like, I think I got an idea of him, but I'm really not sure. So I guess on starting pitchers specifically... Okay, so I-
1: so Fort Wayne, um, yeah. how many times have you seen Nick Margavicius pitch?
2: I did not see him, actually.
1: Okay. How many times did you see uh, Mackenzie Gore pitch?
2: I saw him twice.
1: Okay. How about like Patino? Like I'm just trying to get a sense.
2: Patino I just saw a bullpen, never saw him pitch. I saw Osvaldo yeah. Hernandez three times.
1: Yeah, so that's not that much. You know what I mean? No, like,
2: I, I, it's true. That's
1: not the finishing return, that's for sure. Yeah, um,
2: no, I'm definitely not at that point. I think that yeah, point yeah. extends way further out. I'm saying, like, for you, you go to a park, you're seeing a guy, maybe top 200 prospect, you know who he is, maybe he doesn't have too much high pedigree, and you sit down, you watch him. And like, Are you like, I want to see him again, I want to see him a third time, or are you comfortable after that first start?
1: Oh, um, yeah, one start. And if that one start is bad, like, that's hard. Mm-hmm. But, like, the job is hard. Sorry, sure. you know what I mean. Like uh, the way it works, definitely in the media. You know the way it works for us, for us, and what we do at Twenty Eighty, and the way it definitely works for teams is like you have to be efficient. Like they're trying to get you know they the budget they have for their scouts is 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 capped at a certain amount, so like there's not enough money there for you to see guys three or four times, pitchers. I so see, if, I see. If you see them once, like like you got to tell your scouting director what you saw. You know, and you know, I think the thing that makes the media and the the pro scouting world different, as far the way I see, you know, way I understand it, is like, you know, you know, I see a guy, I see a guy in April. Um, I'm not going to see him again, and like no one else at 2080 is going to see him again, probably. You know what I mean? Like, there's a good chance in a pro, sure. like you put your report in, maybe you see him again later in the year because teams will do that. Maybe someone else sees him on a crossover, like like they're able to contextualize your report amongst other reports. So it it functions a little bit like a spotlight of that, or like a snapshot in some ways, you Mm. know what I mean? Interesting. And then when you have more information, when you see more, maybe you watch video, maybe you do something else, you know, like maybe you come across them again, then you, then you update that, you know? So like, it is always going to be a snapshot. It's just the number of looks on that snapshot get more and more and more. um, If you see a guy each different time. And the reason I was asking, like, how many times have you seen some of these guys? Because I used to have a really hard time with it. I used to feel like I saw this guy once. Like, how am I going to tell my, um, you know, at the time, like, 35 Twitter followers, like, how good he is based on one start? Um, But, like, I've started to realize the more I do it that, like, what I see in a guy in one start, it's not going to change that much the next start really interesting like the better you get at it the more reps you get like it's hard it's hard it takes time it takes like like i share my reports with people in the industry you know we have an editing process at, at 2080 so i i'm talking with my supervisor about those reports to help me get better so like i can get better at doing it on one look but like saw shane Baz more than once saw nick Nider more than once saw a bunch of guys more than once this year but the second time like i'm recording belos and i'm having a look but like Efficiency-wise, like, I need to focus on the guys I haven't seen as much because like, mm-hmm. I had seven innings of Nick Niter and I put a 50-grade on him as a back-end starter, and I believe in it, and you know what? He looked pretty much like that the second time, too. I see. You know?
2: Very interesting. Uh, John, what do you think you've struggled with most in terms of understanding within scouting?
1: Oh. I can tell you the thing that I struggle the most with and I don't know if it's an understanding of scouting thing, but
2: okay, yeah, that's fair.
1: It's the thing that, um, like, if I was going to talk to anyone about getting into this world, to to know is that um, it's a it's about organization and writing. Ultimately, that's what scouts are. Hmm. They organize information, they gather information, and they organize it. But like, if they don't write it on time and clearly, and quickly on the schedule that they have, with all the other things that they have going on, like they lose their job and it doesn't matter because that's the job is to write and communicate to the powers that be who these guys are. So like mm. I struggle, I have struggled a lot. and like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting better. I'm improving. But like my big goal as improving as a scout is being able to do my work faster and better and not being in the hole with reports and getting them out and knowing how to like say, I probably don't need to see this guy a second time before I write it. I need to write it right now. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know like, those types of things. So it, a lot of it's confidence, you know, and getting better and trusting my eye, but like, you know, I had a, I had a, an amateur scout tell me, he gave me like just three things that he looks for when he's looking to hire someone and organization was the first one. That was mm-hmm. the one, you know, like you have to be organized you have to keep, you have to keep your work tidy and, and stay on top of it. So I'm learning how to do that better. Every day, hopefully.
3: (laughs) That's probably the toughest thing in life is just consistently staying organized, like just in in general, too. So I think we're all struggling with that. So I can appreciate that for sure.
1: I think when you're I mean, you know, I'm pretty open about like I struggle. That's something that I struggle with. And I think when you're like that, you tend to surround yourself sometimes with people that are really good at it. to like have it rub off on you. But really, all it does is make you feel worse about yourself. (laughs) <laughs> incredibly motivated people that like yeah I get up at, I get up at 6 every day. I'm typing by 7. It's like who are you? Why are you my friend? This
3: okay. is why I keep Lance around actually. You just like hit the nail on the head. 100%. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to transition a little bit too, but like what are some of your your I guess for lack of a better term, I kind of hate this word, but pet peeves what in terms of, you know, pitching or position players? from a scouting perspective, is there something that just, you see it from either the pitching side, maybe, you know, with hitters defensively or offensively, that just really turns you off to that player. Oh,
1: turns me off. I don't think I see stuff that like, well, maybe I do. Okay. So with hitters, with hitters, the thing, the the, the thing, there's one thing that drives me crazy, crazy, crazy with hitters, like beyond all else. And I'm sure you guys have seen it. Um, usually it's with a reliever where like a reliever comes in and he walks the first two batters, or maybe he hits someone and maybe he throws a wild pitch, and he's not just missing like he's not sure like, he's not missing in the same way it's mm-hmm. like and All over the place yeah yeah, so suddenly there's nobody out there's two or three runners on, and a guy comes up and this guy throws like um you know a fifty five foot slider and a guy like swings at it on an empty count. <laughs> You know what I mean, And puts himself in the hole. Oh, one on a guy that can't throw a strike. Like uh, I don't, you know, I see, I see versions of that. The example I gave was pretty extreme. So like, in that extreme example, like I'm not saying it means like crumple up the report. This guy's a non-prospect and everyone to see his face again, but like, it's definitely going in there, you know, like there's issues there. Like mm-hmm. if, if you're not paying attention to the game enough to see and understand that, like, this is a place that you need to take a pitch, like, um, you know, and some of that's—it's going to vary by situation. You know, sure. There's one particular time it's sticking out in my head where like they were like down by two runs. I mean, it's just like it was—it wow. was to the point that the pitchers behind me that were charting were like that—that that was awful. Like, what did <laughs> I just watch? You know. Uh, so that's the hitter one. Um, but it's—I mean, I'd have to see a lot of that, you know, to to like really be off a guy. Um, I think there's two pitcher things that drive me batty. One is more of a lower level one. You see it in the happy league a lot is um, two outs, base runner, the number seven or eight hitter at the plate um, who can't catch up to your fastball. And this pitcher is so distracted by the guy on first or second base. He can't throw a strike. He can't stop throwing over. He can't stop stepping off. Uh-huh. Just get the batter out. Like Trust yeah. Yeah. your stuff. You have two outs. <laughs> get the batter out. Um, So that bugs me. Uh, You see less of that as you go up the levels. And then um, my other pitcher thing, and it it sticks out because I just saw it the other night. Uh, I was talking to the scout behind me about it. Um, You know, just being able as a pitcher to like trust your stuff and like know, know who you're facing, you know? Like I saw a guy comes up, oh oh count the batter has slider bat speed or what I call slider bat speed or gets called slider bat speed. This guy might be able to really barrel up your slider, but if you throw a fastball and it's in the strike zone, he's probably not going to really do a ton of damage to you. So what's the guy do? Oh, oh, he throws him an 82 mile hanging slider. Like the one pitch this guy can hit.
2: Trying that to you backwards and you're like, why?
1: <laughs> and, and you know, it's trying to be a little too clever. It's trying to, maybe it's developmental. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It was a playoff game. So like, I mean, but mm-hmm. some of that, like, like if I'm – like, that's a pet peeve probably with a catcher as much as a pitcher.
0: Like, yeah, for sure. If I'm
1: putting the one down and then I'm putting the other version of the one down and then I'm moving the one around to different parts of the zone and you're still shaking me, like, I'm coming to talk to you. I don't care if I've been out five times or three times or how many or if the crowd boozed me. Like, if you really want to throw your slider right now, like, you're going to have to tell me face-to-face why because this guy can't hit your fastball. So, um, That's a good one. Yeah, that's actually really, really good. I I
3: love that one.
2: Lance? Yeah, very specific question here that I think I already know the answer to, but it's something that I've kind of thought about a lot recently, because I actually, I find it interesting that you go to stuff first, because I'm obviously not seeing nearly as many games as you have, John, but I I, know me and Ralph get to a pretty good amount of games, and I almost most guys, I really like watching bullpens. I like watching what they do, what they mix, how they throw, what they communicate to their pitching coach. So I tend to do that before I even see guys start most games. I'll mm-hmm. go and watch a bullpen. So in doing that, I guess for me, the first thing I often see is mechanics before anything. Mm-hmm. Then I mm-hmm. see stuff because generally guys are throwing what 80, 80 ish percent in their pens, maybe the last couple of pitches, they kick it up a little bit, but most of the time that's just kind of ironing things out and seeing how their pitches are working. So I go on the mechanic side of things and this question specifically comes because of a guy like Ryan Weathers who I saw where I wasn't in love with the mechanics I'm not in love with the body, but I knew he had pedigree, so he's one of those things where you kind of have in the back of your head where your expectations might be a little bit higher because you know he's a top seven overall pick or whatever he was. You kind of go in there and you're like, oh, I'm really excited for Ryan Weathers. You see the body, you're like, okay. You see the mechanics, you're like, yeah, I'm not really in love, you know, and then you go and see him pitch and you're like, he gets guys out you know and his pitches aren't bad but I guess for a guy with not the greatest mechanics do you go and I, I, again I think I kind of know the answer to this but let's say you were in that scenario like me you know what are you what are you doing to ascertain the whole value of a player I guess maybe you know what I'm gonna break this question up let's go first with when you see a guy you know has pedigree do you think that affects how you look at the player at all have you been able to kind of remove that from your evaluation
1: uh, like a guy how, like Shane Bass. How long do you have?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Give me the give me the elevator pitch again. You're talking. All right. <laughs>
1: uh you can't you can't remove it. You, I can try. I can try it. Um and I used to try to remove it to just not think about it. And then I got to the point that I like that doesn't I can't I can't remove it. Like I know the guys, I know who gets drafted, I know how much they get paid. Like mm. there's no way around it. So um, so now I, I I accept it for what it is, which is like there are people that uh, make decisions in this industry that thought this player was valuable to X Y Z extent, and like it is now my job to figure out how valuable I think they are. So I I, I really try not to let it affect okay. the evaluation too much. I'd say that the more reps I get, the more I do it, it the shorter amount of time it I can see and make the logical argument of why that player is pedigreed the way they are. You know,
2: interesting. Okay,
1: so like um so let's take an extreme example like even like like it doesn't take a lot of looking at Mackenzie gore to see that he uh is a really good athlete who has a sense of how to pitch mm-hmm. and can shove like even if you see his command not great sometimes like the stuff like the overall like it doesn't take a lot of looks on a guy like that you know and that's why he went so high in the draft and got paid so much money and is valued so uh, the way he is know what i mean Mm -hmm. so like it gets harder like when you get away and i I think where you know where we're going with the question is like so what if a guy um has um good stuff but like just not 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 great athleticism or not great delivery exactly yeah that'd be the second part yeah you know and i think that um uh what do i do with that let me think how i do with that um so i grade the pitches so if uh I grade, the, I, grade, I grade the current pitches and I grade what if this guy continued to work um, as a starting pitcher, say he's a starter, or as a reliever. If he's a reliever, then it's how he works as a reliever. If he's a starter. Just say, like, if he continues to work as a starter, how do I grade these pitches? Um, so that's, that's a baseline. And then from there, um, so, like, let's take an example like Tyler, Taylor Widener, okay? Taylor Widener, um, look at him, see his stuff. Uh, it's good stuff. I like that stuff a lot. Um, Then when I go to the delivery, well, like this is a really quiet delivery too. I like this delivery a lot too, okay? Mm -hmm. So now I have the stuff and how I'm projecting. Now I have the stuff and when I'm thinking about how to project this stuff, I can feel good about the projection and, and it getting better maybe or staying how good it is now because of the quality of the delivery. And I can feel good about him maintaining that delivery because like even though he's not a great athlete, he's at least an average athlete. Okay, so that's like the positive example and I had to do that to get myself to the other type of example because it's. I'm starting to think that it's not one you, I see a ton of, to be honest. Mm, I think most guys that have pretty good stuff probably are generally have pretty good deliveries <laughs> and are generally pretty good athletes. Um, but I'm sure I can think of an example. Um, a lot of times it's with relievers. That's why they're relievers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Like I don't love Tukey's delivery. That's a pretty good example. That's awesome stuff. I love yeah. to Whoo! I saw when I saw it out of the pen, like, like it was like, I can imagine like what the Dalai Lama felt like when he found Nirvana. Like it was a little like that. <laughs> like I, I just had to go be quiet in my car because it was like a seven. That night was a seven fastball, seven curveball out of the pen, and one in the All Star game for one inning. <laughs> um, wow. So, um, I mean, like. Disgusting things to Elo Jimenez that made me vomit in my mouth. Anyway, uh, but <laughs> I don't. Vomit. <laughs> yeah, so I think that it's pretty rare to see a guy with a poor delivery and not be a great athlete and still have really good stuff. At least with any consistency, like maybe like at a showcase in one inning or whatever. But like if you see it for enough innings, that guy probably isn't going to have. He's not going to have the consistency to show that stuff repeatedly. Is my guess. Is how I think about it. But then, if a guy is a really good athlete, and then the delivery isn't great, but the stuff is really great, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not doing a great job answering your question. I don't think. because no, uh, I don't think there's. a, no, you to are. It. No, yeah. It's more it's, about
2: how you come up with the, the thoughts around it. The process, exactly. The
1: reason I love the question is because I've really had, I really like the last day. I've really thought a lot about this. About really, how do I do this? Mm,
2: interesting. Yeah. Introspection's uh, good. Yeah. We love it and it's super easy and quick to do.
0: My kid who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word kid to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text kid to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word kid to 323232. Text kid to
3: 323232. <sighs> well, and I'm sure, I was going to say, I'm sure you probably had a lot of time for introspection. Um, while you were on the road, it was the self proclaimed proclaimed road to nowhere. Um, yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about I guess your summer and spring and what sort of motivated you to do this. I mean you touched on that a little bit in the opening, but I thought it would be fun to kind of dig into it. maybe hear you know uh, how tired you are of baseball if you are tired of baseball, <laughs> if that's possible, some of the highlights, the low lights, the best places to eat, who's got good food, Ooh, yes. funny accents, I mean, all that fun that. stuff. The oh. Americana is a, is a big part of it to me, too. Like, I just think this is, it's brilliant. It's just, yeah, it's, uh, if I didn't have three children and like a mortgage and a job, this seems like exactly what I should have done when I was 24 years old, to be quite honest
1: with you. Yeah, well, this is the portion where I go from seeming like a somewhat normal person, maybe, to like, (laughs) like, the man,
3: you're a legend, (laughs) you're a legend, don't worry about
1: it. (laughs) Like, you would have done this at age 24, because, uh, Believe it or not. I'm, well, that I'm was not, the last
3: time well, I didn't have respo- any responsibilities, like silly responsibilities.
1: Yeah. So one thing about my trip that um, I think about every and I'm this is a little bit of a serious note, but I think about every single day is that I have it. It's an incredible privilege because um, it is my job. You know, I'm, I'm paid by 28 to do this. But, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons that I have a safety net. Uh, this is my second career. Um, family. Family. I don't know. I don't want to get into the whole deal with what privileges to people, but like not everyone has this opportunity and I take it very seriously. And yes, I've had to make some sacrifices to do it, but like nothing too extreme. Um, you know, I, um, had the opportunity through 2080, um, to come on there and do a lot of scouting for them. And, and the catch was that to do it and to do the coverage, uh, it was going to involve a lot of driving and seeing a lot of different, you know, doing it this way. And, um, I'll tell you what, I had a very rosy-eyed view of what it would be like when I started. (laughs) I was quickly disabused of that notion because um, it is a grind, and um, uh, it's a lot of time on the road, and the fact of the matter is, like, you know, my lifestyle kind of fit it at this point, um, so I was able to do it, and it's um, awesome to get the reps. Like, I talk about reps a lot, but, like, I went from doing, like, a couple games a week Mm. uh, max to doing, like five games a week or doing like six games a week or whole series. I think the big thing is whole series. Cause that's how pro scouts do it. Like when you go from trying to deduce what a player is from like a game here and there as a hitter to like seeing him for three straight days or four straight days and his BP, which you get that access if you're in the media, like I am and it's your job, like, or you're a pro scout. Like that's a way to get to a whole nother level with scouting. At least at least like, that's how I feel like I've gotten to a whole nother level with it because cool, you know, um, so yeah, you know, I looked at it when I started, Though I was like, this is going to be an awesome, super sweet, fun road trip. And then like, I blew out my alternator and you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I've like kind of, you know, eating out kind of gets a little bit old, you know, those types of things. But overall, like it's been a phenomenal experience and, uh, like, you know, I don't know, 128 ga- 128 games is what I just counted. And it, it feels, I thought it would be more, but, um, but that's still a lot of baseball games. That's a lot of different places, a lot of different parks. And I'll tell you, it's a lot of, I've, you know, people at stadiums, like, I don't know, like when you're on the road as much as I am, like, you know, I keep up with friends and stuff, but like my friends end up being like the scouts that I see out at the games each weekend or, or every series or like when I'm in a park for like a week before I go somewhere else or for four days, like the people that work there, so i'm super appreciative of those conversations um you know what it does come back to like you asked me about about scouting though like or like something that maybe i is different about how i do it than other people like um like when i like i take that other time at the park like i'm scout like for me like i'm scouting the whole time i'm there uh and, and it may be like i'm sitting there with my computer up and i'm writing but like you better believe i'm listening if like The guys that work there are talking about a player yeah (laughs) you know what i mean like and i'm not gonna say like which things they could be saying that matter or don't matter and how much they matter to me but like there's definitely things you hear in that context that matter you know like if i hear about a guy who's like really taking it seriously and working his ass off to learn english and like that that's gonna show me a little that shows me a little something you know what i mean like that he's committed to that as something he's trying to do for example like not saying that if someone's not doing that, I have a problem with them or anything like that, but like, you know, that's something that stands out to me. Like you overhear things like that. Um, there are, there are scouts that like, don't take batting practice. Like, uh, you know, that, that don't feel like, um, they need to be at a lot of batting practices or go to every batting practice or whatever. Like I can't go to every batting practice, but like that time is very important time for me to be at the park and watching guys and, and being aware of what guys are doing and how they go about their work. So, um, yeah, that was totally off tangent, but I want to get yeah, it out I love there. It. No, it's good. You're probably gonna have to ask me more specific questions about this trip, though, because I don't even know what to say about it. I mean, <laughs> I really don't like. Well, what's what's sort of like the roadmap? I mean, wh- where did you start?
3: Where did you end up? Where did you yeah, drive was, around a well, lot? What leagues did you see the most of? And yeah, so the goal kind of month
1: by month was to do full league coverage as much as we could. Um, and. Uh, at 2080 to cover as much of the minors as we could. So we supplement with video some, but like my boss, Adam uh, McInturf has certain links that he's covered. We had a guy in Florida, Steve, Certainly, certain things he did in Florida for us. And then we ended up in a situation where we needed someone to kind of fill in a lot of the gaps. And that was kind of what I did. So I started in Arizona in, uh, for spring training and went out there and did a whole kind of like, spring training overview i got to see all the clubs kind of start getting um getting back in the flow um accumulating at bats with guys seeing innings starting to write scouting reports writing up that stuff uh, but i was there for that first for a month of spring training or it's about three weeks of gameplay and then um, i did Cal League. so it was a about a month run through the Cal League in april so um you know there are guys that I didn't get to see because of pitching rotations and stuff, but I did see all the clubs in the Cal league and kind of do a full overview. So, um, you know, it's hard to do with like promotions and stuff. You just can't, can't always get them. Um, but one thing I like to point out about like stuff like that Cal league work back in April, like for any, you know, I'm doing this as a scout and I'm trying to become a scout and like, I'm writing this as scouting reports, like, like, it may be April, but like I stand by that work in April. Like I know what I saw in April and I don't necessarily like haven't seen the player since, but it's like, I just don't, I, I think sometimes, I used to be a public consumer of this work, right? I used to read all the sites and do all the same stuff. and I was in a fantasy league and all those types of things, you know? And like, it'd be like, Oh, like this, this report might kind of start to feel stale or old, but like the goal and the idea and what was hopefully in the work that you're reading and the work of people that are trying to do this is like, what I saw in April should still be pretty darn close to what's happening right now. Like, if I did a, jo- a good job in April, does that make sense?
2: It does. It's so like, really interesting.
1: So, like, my really favorite example of this right now is Parker Dunchie. I saw Parker Dunchie in April. Mm. And I put a back end rotation starter grade on him. And everything he's done this year, from what I can tell, would suggest that that's kind of what he is. But, like, I don't know for sure. I haven't watched another start. But, like, I stand by that report, you know, because, like, that's kind of the job. Like, when you see the guy, you say what they are, and when you're saying what they are and what you think they're going to be, it should be as close to possible the same today until the next time I see him. And that next time could be two weeks. The next time could be two years. But, like, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I think about a lot. It's like like that report, those reports are still current in my view, in my eyes. You know what I mean? But anyway. Um, so, yeah, so I did the colleague man, uh, all through the Central Valley of California. Uh, it got a little weird. I'll be honest. I was in, I was, I was in Visalia during this whole, like the, the, like capturing or like the release of this garden state murderer information. Like, I don't remember this, but like, it was about a police officer. Like he was a murderer who like did all this stuff, but he was originally in the seventies, like a police officer from Visalia and I was there and I was being released. And, um, uh, it was just kind of, it was weird. It was a little weird. Um but like weird like weird how,
3: just like people were strange because it was going on and it was like a stain in the city, or like people there were strange, like it was like uh they were part alien. Like
1: (laughs) I think it was strange. Oh, I'm just gonna crush all my Vesalian listener. I think it was strange. We love you, Visalia.
2: Right!
1: <laughs> have you ever been in a circumstance where you're like, oh, I can see why a serial killer
2: lived here? Like, man, it was a little like... Oh, wow. I see. <laughs> That's awful. It's <That's> awful. <laughs> but, uh, no. Well, five, uh, Visalia listeners...
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I was a couple weeks into my trip. Uh, there was, it's just sometimes these towns don't have a ton going on. I was exhausted. I was trying to get my taxes done, and there was, like, this whole serial killer story, so it was mostly about me being in kind of a funny place. Um, as I recall, the the hotel situation wasn't ideal for me in Visalia. So, um, not, it didn't leave me with a positive, a super, (laughs) but I'll tell you what that Visalia Rawhide club, 30, 30 grade for Visalia, (laughs) that that ball club. I freaking love that ball club. At least what I saw then, because I love Paven Smith. Um, really, I'm a Paven Smith guy. Um, and I, uh, i like marcus wilson for what he is um they had some pictures throughout like huang got ended up getting traded but i liked him out of the pen takahashi was there um who i haven't written up yet but um i have more recent stuff on takahashi from some video i've done i'm looking forward to writing him up good good that's a good that was a good club good club uh, but anyway yeah um really cool stuff though um i've never really been in central valley um then I went to the. I went back to Arizona for like a couple days to see some spring. But then I drove across to the Midwest. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, I've seen a ton of freaking fireworks shows. <laughs> I've been to a lot of. I mean, actually, I mean, like, I've seen them through the rearview mirror. I should say. Uh, oh sure. You know. That's
3: usually when I get the hell out of there, and it's like it's, they have them like at every park too. Yeah, so I know yeah. you know what you mean.
1: I've learned. I've learned that if my online dating profile existed in one singular place it would be a bark in the park night uh <laughs> you know, it's just like oh like wow i should just come to these bark in the park nights when i'm not working um because this seems like the exact type of women that are always matched with me anyway um you yeah, know there you go lady <laughs> <love> listeners
3: <laughs> if you're into the bark at the park night and, no, uh, I'm and please, I'm into you it. like the you I'm like the cut of it. john's jib uh contact <laughs> us via twitter and prospect <laughs> live
1: no, no, no. Well, <laughs> my is a in the park joke did not go as well as it did in practice. Like, I was, <laughs> this is not how I wanted the barking in the park joke to go.
2: <laughs> Man, me and Ralph's minds are in the gutter. <laughs> they, they always are. What's
1: the
3: best? This is totally off topic. What's the best thing you ate? Like, did you eat anything like totally unusual or just regional that you like that never amazing, thought yeah. you would eat before that was amazing? Cause I um, feel like that's a huge part of like when I go on these trips, great. like it's trying to eat like something out of my, out of my
1: comfort zone. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of uh, that's out of my comfort zone with food. Uh, Good. And, and there, so, so I'm gonna say, actually. if I come across something that I haven't had before, like an ethnic type of food that I don't know a lot about, like that's definitely cool back in Stockton. Yeah. I didn't realize this, but uh, Stockton, California has a huge um, yeah. has awesome yeah. Filipino American community. and Awesome. Filipino restaurants. And that's not a cuisine I knew a lot about, so yeah. uh, that was awesome. I have eaten a ton of barbecue, um, pretty pretty strong opinions about it. So,
3: all right, yeah, well, let's hear some strong opinions about barbecue. Like, what 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 states are your favorites? Like, what's what what are your strong opinions? I, I like strong opinions, particularly yeah, about about barbecue, because I'm a guy that uh, I get I get a couple of smokers in the back. I like to make myself uh, brisket, some some ribs. Been know to mess around with that. Side thing. so what's what's here i want to know
1: i would say like i mean it's got to be like it's got to be well repped like I'm not, I'm not talking just like yelp reviewed stuff like yeah i'm gonna do some research if it's barbecue that's not in north or south carolina like that's just kind of like a rule of thumb like i can't trust this barbecue <laughs> in, in shape or form uh if it's not from from and if it's from south carolina like you know, what I found, it's like Carolina barbecue, like South Carolina, the golden style with the mustard is like, yeah. it's like the boom bust prospect of barbecue. Like you might get 80 grade, like you might get like, you know, might mate, yeah. but you also, you might get, I don't know. I'm not going to pick a dude who's not good, but you know what I mean? Um, I'm not going to say like Hector Oliveira bad, but like you get some bad barbecue if you're not careful with the Carolina stuff, with the South Carolina, North Carolina though, like. Um, you know, it's just my go-to. There's two different styles, yada, yada, yada. I don't, I like them both. Like I'm not that much of a Pierce, but, um, the key is always getting the banana pudding afterward. I think like that's kind of my style. Oh, there you go. Pro tip, pro yeah. tip,
3: banana pudding. Wouldn't have thought of
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, like I'm on the road all the time. So like that's sugar and sweets are kind of my, like, uh, that's my go-to. So I figure if I get the banana pudding at the barbecue restaurant, I I won't get the big huge bag of Sour Patch Kids later. It's kind of how nice. I do.
2: Oh, okay. I like the trade-off smart.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, can, that's I, appreciate that. I can search Yelp. Like my ability to like skim through Yelp and know what's up, like and know how to get through it. Like <laughs> you need like a Priceline consultant on how to find the right hotel and Priceline and like read through the craft to be like, you know what? They don't have the channel that always has Criminal Minds on, and I want that
2: channel. <laughs> nice. I love it.
1: Did you make but, it to Asheville at all? Uh, I swung through Asheville for one game. And, um, you know, I live in, uh, when I live somewhere, it's in North Carolina, or it has been okay. at times. Sure. Uh, so I know Asheville pretty well. Uh, I happened to make the decision to spur the moment go there, hoping to see um, a couple guys, actually, that were on the Rome team that got promoted from the Appy League that I just wanted to get a couple more bats with and you know to see what see, see um see some of those rocky guys that i had seen in way back in march um it ended up being labor day weekend on a sunday like the last home series of the year like it was a really really poorly thought out i just like bragged about my travel acumen but that was like some of my worst travel planning ever.
2: a lot of people just, sure, like, traffic.
1: yeah like what was i thinking here like i huh? can't even get a seat at the coffee shop and now like I'm going to have to touch another person at the game. <laughs> it's oh,
3: it's such a, uh, I hate it. Like I went to a game, uh, it, Alex Fado was pitching, um, and it was a double header. And so I think like it combined the two crowds Ooh. and it, uh, yeah, but which, which in fair enough, Manchester, New Hampshire is a bar in center field. And I feel like <laughs> a majority of the, of the adults that are there, not nerding out on baseball or actually working for a team end up there by like the sixth inning. But, yeah. um, Either way, that game was tight, and I had to move around, so I had to kind of strategically figure out like where to position myself that I could actually get like good open face video. And I just ended up like being like a nomad. But yeah. I don't
1: know. <laughs> at least, no, at least I
3: said, the ushers were cool about it. They didn't care that I was bouncing all over the place, probably because they had seen me thirty times that season. Like, yeah, <laughs> oh, there he is. it's Ralph again.
1: Yeah, right. no, I am. Um, I uh, I do a lot of up and down and bouncing around. Um, And I get a lot of, like, I get a lot of questions from people. Like, what are you actually doing? You know, like, like what is your, what is this work? Because, you know, for us, like we do a ton of video. And I'd say like, if I'm going to like plug some of the stuff we do at 2080, like all of our scouts that are out, we're not just scouting. We're getting video on these guys. And Mm -hmm. like, that's anything from like, you know, I like to get like catching, receiving video, open side. I get open side on the hitters, VPs, all that type of stuff. But like, during a game sometimes it's a, it's a lot of up and down um, and a lot of running around. Um, But I don't know. It's weird. I, you know, I, I, a lot of scouts spend pretty much the whole game behind home plate. um, It's pretty common. And uh, I, I, I don't know for me, like maybe I'll get to a point that that makes more sense to me, but like, I, I actually like moving around. Some of it's just to get my, get the juices flowing a little bit. So I don't get,
3: yeah,
1: I agree. You know, some of it's just like general health, thinking about like the fact like i sit all day long in a car or at a game so like mm-hmm. standing up and walking around is a good thing um
3: yeah i, yeah. I appreciate that and i think that our sponsor roto kenny is a is a uh, a food head and he's he's not like a foodie he's like somebody that likes dirty greasy food like myself yeah like we we like to like text each other pictures of uh Chick-fil-A frosted lemonades. And that's big shots out to Kenny Cashman, of course, of Roto-Wear, roto at roto on Twitter. You can follow Kenny at Kenneth underscore Cashman. He's got tons of t-shirts out there. If you don't know, the roto classic stuff is slowly being trans- transitioned over to the roto site, along with all of his fantasy-focused roto shirts. If you need some fantasy football shirts, he's had plenty of designs he's been putting out for the last couple of years there. Uh, He's got some classic baseball stuff there as well. Uh, You can get the Crab Army shirt. And, of course, you can get the brand-new Hot Off the Presses in three different colors Prospects live shirt. I just ordered, actually, uh, four or five myself.
2: Wow. Over for there. each day of the yeah. week, Ralph.
3: <laughs> well, I had to get During some for the, the for the rest of the family.
2: Ah, I I'm going to dress
3: the whole family up in prospects live clothing. You know, Christmas photo, uh, right? apparel. I I have to get the brand out there. Rep rep uh, hard with the with the home. Are team. you going to make
1: a? Are you going to make polo shirts so you can wear them and be under uh, most? I guess you guys aren't going to. You probably aren't going to have the same type of dress code. We have a dress code. Most most websites have dress code. All teams have dress code. Yeah. A polo shirt it's definitely approved attire. So, you know, we, we
3: want you to look like Charlie Blackman. Like that's, that's what our goal is. We want beards, hair.
2: Yeah. You know, we want yeah, them questioning want what to, they're doing and also where the heck they're from.
1: We want security to watch you at all times.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that's, I appreciate that. I go to
3: games and I honestly, like I, 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 I rarely, I was actually in like work clothes. So like, I, cause I, you know, I have a, a regular job selling insurance and, you know, I was in like a college shirt in the last couple of games and I went to like the press box and I was so uncomfortable. I'm so used to being in like basketball shorts and a rotoware shirt. <laughs> I brought it right back there. You can use our promo code Sagnoff S-A-G-N-O-F to get twenty percent off. Lance, anything you want to add on rotoware before we move on.
2: No, you hit it all, man. That's the way to go. I'm I'm gonna pick up a prospect Life shirt and rock that too. So we'll we'll look at the photos. It. It's a good you good got ad it. by John there. Um we wanna tr- transition now into uh, player-specific insights here from from John Eshelman. So uh, we're going to run through some guys here, John. I know you think you mentioned probably one or two of these guys already, but maybe just kind of your general thoughts and then maybe even like a little tidbit that you pick out that maybe is a little more specific about what you think maybe long-term value on these guys. So I'm going to just run down the list, me and Ralph, maybe if we've seen some of these, we're also going to toss in our thoughts. Um, but we'll start with Taylor Widener. You mentioned him briefly, your general impression and uh, maybe future value on him.
1: Sure. Taylor Widener, double a Jackson with Arizona. He was a, ooh, a 12th round pick with the Yankees. And I can't remember the trade he got traded over in. Um, uh, the
3: Drury trade.
1: Yeah. So, um, man, I he's the type, he's the type of guy that I just, that it, he's a certain type that I really like where um, it's, I don't think there's a lot of ceiling there with Taylor Widener. Like I have him as a 55 grade. So, you know, just to refresh a little bit, like that's saying, like, I think this guy's a number four starter. If your team is like, one of the best teams in the league for starter. You know what I mean? Like that's a really good grade. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like I don't give a ton of those out. Um, so, um, and that comes off of a, it, it starts with a six fastball. So his fastball is like sat 92, 93. Um, you know, that's like average, maybe 55 velocity, but I have it with plus movement. Like he gets really good arm side tail, uh, when it's like lower half. So, um, like I have no, I don't have platoon split worries. In any way, shape, or form, with Taylor Widener because the run that he gets on that fastball, then his next his, his best second is his changeup. Mm-hmm. So it's a similar it's a similar movement, and it's just backed off and it has a little bit of you know, you know, with the slowdown, it's going to fade a little bit more. So the way those two pitches work together, like it's nice. I like it. I have it as a fifty-five changeup along with it, and I have I have it as a six fastball because he commands it like pretty freaking good. And he's going to continue to command it pretty freaking good because um, it's a it's a really nice delivery. Like there's some there's some some quirkiness to delivery, like the way he kind of turns back towards second base a little bit for me. But like not enough to like he repeats it pretty well. I think he's going to repeat it a little bit better. Like he he lost a little bit as the as the outing went on. We're late season here, so like you know that happens. Um, but he's going to throw strikes. Uh, I don't think he's going to walk a lot of guys, and he's 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 striking guys out because he can locate that fastball and it has a lot of good movement on it. So, uh, and it sets him up real well to go to the changeup. I have the slider as a, as a, as a future average pitch. Um, I haven't, you know, I don't really do a lot of like checking in on what other people have on these guys. Like I could see scenarios where someone thinks that pitch is a lot better than I do, or, or, or not a lot better, like a half grade better. Um, he just wasn't throwing in the zone very much. It was like really inconsistent. Um, so, you know, Part of the reason i like a guy like taylor Widener, like uh, you know those are three you know even if i have even if i'm conservative on the slider by saying that i think it's a future average pitch like that's three that's a plus fastball with a good changeup and a pretty good third pitch and you're close to the majors and you have a delivery that i think you can repeat and you're able to throw strikes like you may not be a number 2 starter but like you're really soon going to be in my rotation and be there for a pretty long time, you know, throughout your, throughout your contract, you know, throughout your rookie contract. I feel, I feel pretty good about that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of where I'm at with Taylor Rider. Like really just really liked it. You know, like it, it's one of those examples where like, you know, like it's not always about just the grade. Like if I have a 60 extreme on a guy who's 19 years old um, versus 55 with moderate risk is what I have on Taylor Widener, which means like I'm 55 and I'm, and I'm betting the house with my bosses that he is going to actually be that 55. Sure. That's what that, that's what that moderate risk means. Um, whereas like that 60 extreme is saying like, well, I think this guy and I believe, and I'm willing to put it into this report. This guy is a 60, but there's also a chance that he could be a 40. Like that's what that risk rate means. Like I might be wrong. And he could be a 40 instead. So, um the value of that twenty one, twenty-two, however old Taylor Widener is in double A, who's already showing it and has that like kind of like all the pieces already, like that's super valuable. Like that's that was just a they did a really good job with that trade. He's gonna help them, you know, in in the next several years, or it could be a trade asset for them or however they try to use him. But I like Taylor Widener.
3: Yeah, I think he's a guy that's that's really interesting. And another guy that I think is really interesting. I had a a really uh, a cool kind of tweet, uh, actually Twitter interaction. I think it was with is it Doug Gray? who yeah. uh, does Reds prospects on Tony Santillian. And uh, he's, he's a guy stuff wise. It's always been really interesting, you know, big guy, you know, huge human being. I'll, I'll let you go into him, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on him.
1: Yeah, he's big. Yeah, and he, he is. He's so massive hard. So the tweet that, that um, Ralph was talking about is that, you know, I've seen, fa- I've seen hundred mile fastballs this year out of the rotation, but like all three of this guy's pitches, are, are hard so it's like fastball touches 97 I, i'm sure he can touch higher than 97 or he has whatever i saw him touch 97 and sit like four or five a lot of sixes so like that's cheddar and then yeah his slider was like 87 and 91 and it when your slider is 87 and 91 like it doesn't have to bite that hard to be pretty nasty because it's not that far off the fastball so like yeah. um you know, that's just a hard pitch. And then his changeup is 88-90. So, like, if Tony Santian's change changeup was 86-87, uh, 80, you know, with some 88s in there, like, I'd feel really good about projecting him as a starter. But, like, it's just all hard. And the changeup, he throws it righty versus righty, which is something that I generally, like, really am into, like... That's mm. like scouting dorkiness of just like, oh right righty, change it up. news, <laughs> <laughs> um, baby.
3: Um, I did the same thing with Mike Schwarren,
1: so I'm totally <laughs> with you. Um, you know, first you have to check with all the people around you like change up? Is that a change up? That was changeup? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone does it. <laughs> um, uh, inside jokes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, make uh, friends with
3: a guy that logs the games for the team that is always a good idea because that yeah. guy will always tell
1: you what he's got there's this sense that like scouts always know everything about pitches and stuff but like yeah. you see scouts like they have to ask those questions too and like they'll ask each other like you have a changeup there and it's often with a changeup because if a guy throws a changeup 88-90 there's a chance it was like actually a two-seamer or yeah exactly yeah, you know like it's common um anyway Tony Santillon. um mm-hmm. Yeah, so like fastball slider, it's like out of the rotation I have him as with a six fastball and a fifty five slider because like he it 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 is hard, but like it's it's pretty inconsistent and gets a little choppy. Like he can he can lose it for for periods of time, but as long as he gets it in and around the zone, he's going to get some swing and miss with it, and definitely get some weak contact with it. Um, It's going to hurt his it's going to hurt his control profile a little bit, but like he throws strikes pretty well, so like. He's one of these guys that I end up with where it's like um, starter, reliever, third. You know, it's like the starter, reliever, third pitch issue. You know, it's like there's reasons that I look at a guy and want to like we'll push him reliever versus starter, and the third pitch is always one of them. It's hard when the third pitch is the only one of them, which is where I'm at with Santián. Where it's like I'm fine with the delivery, I'm fine with the strike throwing, like command, delivery, those types of things will push a guy to a pen too. Like those are my issues there. My issues are that I don't love the third pitch, and this is why I think Tony Santillon gets interesting. Uh, just like I mentioned Tukey earlier, it's why I think Tuki's interesting, is like it could be like really, really, really good out of the pen. Like, you know, I like my relievers uh and my, my back end guys to be massive and throw hard and be scary. And like, you know, that's a bias. Um, sure. I like my starters to be that way too. To be honest, I, like, I kind of like everyone to just be big and scary. <laughs> Not bad no, overall. Ah, oh, no, no, no! Short,
3: uh, athletic, six foot righty. Love. No t- I have t- so, t- many t- six, t- hey, man. so many six. Sh- so many six foot righties that I like. I can't. I can't help it.
1: I'm pounding table for Parker Dunchy, man. I have been so. Uh, no, I, I. I'll go with the small guys too. But uh, but part of the interesting thing with Santián and where I come down is, and I don't know where teams are at with it, but like. If I'm for me, it's either like a, a back end starter or like your eighth inning, maybe you're closer. So like, which is more valuable? Yeah. Um, you know, that's a, I think that I think that is an interesting and an open question. A lot of people try to answer that question or have like really definitive answers to that question, probably. And they like will pound the table for them. But like for me, like I'm 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 pretty regularly th- I think about that a lot because I don't know the answer. Yeah. I
3: mean, look at like a guy like Josh Hader. I mean, you know, he's somebody that I always thought was going to be a starter because he had the stuff. The question was the third pitch and he's come up and been a force with with Milwaukee. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's probably a perfect example of that. And he has a huge impact. And I think ultimately that's uh, what led to su- success with Andrew Miller, who at one point in time was, you know, a pretty highly touted prospect uh, in, I guess, Detroit and then the Marlins
1: system. Yeah. I thought about Papelbon. Wasn't Papelbon a pretty good starting pitching prospect? What
3: yeah, yeah, and they tried to actually convert him back to a starter in spring training one year, um, mm-hmm. and then they immediately went back to uh to putting him back in the pen. Um, but he and he's a guy that just kind of like evolved into like nothing at all. But that's a totally <laughs> different story.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't yeah, think...
3: yeah. I mean, yeah, he was another guy that was, you know, some. I think they for the most part, a lot of them are.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Sort of, sure. Sort of
3: like every you know, second baseman and third baseman essentially is like a shortstop at one sure. point, especially if they sign like the international market until they're proven wrong. I think that was like a old Theo Epstein s- slogan, like with yeah. international signees. It's like everybody's a shortstop until they prove otherwise, you know.
1: Yeah. And 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 for us, and what I try to do is like I'm thinking in a hypothetical vacuum with the player. Like I'm not thinking about his specific team and situation. Like sure. so, so so like um years of like if he's on the 40 man already or options left remaining like that stuff that stuff's important and comes into the report but like whether or not the team that he's with is the type of team that does xyz versus xyz with this type of player like i don't think about that like i can't Mm. believe
3: that so like um so the reds history doesn't uh doesn't at all perturb you with uh tony uh so it's it's Centillion? Is that what you said? I I, I always said Centelian, but obviously I, I'm. I think okay. it might be Santalon, and I I probably
2: wow. have. A, <laughs> we have like four, yeah. four different pronunciations here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I,
3: can, <laughs> I went with the, with a hard Anglo double L on it, so yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> pronounce <laughs> every letter. <laughs> oh, good, exactly. All right, um, uh, John. Centian, what about
2: what about what about Monty Harrison? This is a guy who killed the AFL last year. Um, I, I love what you put in here in terms of your little notes. You, you had some context things you tossed in just for your own reference, but you said, when should we worry a raw athlete is not going to find polish? That is really interesting to me because I think it's something that everyone immediately thinks of with Monty Harrison, big guy, um, aggressive swing good bat speed, but at some point, you know, where's the four on the strikeouts? Is he going to put it all together? Is it legitimate power yeah. enough to boost the strikeout rate and uh, make that more tolerable? If it sits around 28%, uh, what are your thoughts on Monty Harrison?
1: Uh, Yeah, Monty Harrison, I'm pretty familiar with this player. I saw him last year when he was still with Milwaukee in in the Carolina League at Zebulon there and in the Fall League, and then I I saw him this year. And uh, one thing to be clear about, like, Monty Harrison is definitely a Major League Baseball player, and really soon. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, we're not talking about a guy who, like, may completely fall on his face and not make it at all, okay? Like, he is a six defender with a six arm in center field, so even if he, even if he strikes out a ton of stuff like he's already really on he's really far on his way to being a regular for right there you know got it so that, yeah you know so like uh, it's it's six raw power and there are people that probably have a seven on it depending on when they've seen it or how thin the air was like. I I had I thought it was seven power until I got used to calibrating for Arizona because the length really? of the Monty was hitting in Arizona, like it was it was impressive. It might be seven raw. I'm not a big raw power guy. Like can you hit yeah. it over? I, <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you there. Yeah. So like uh, so but yeah, it's big raw. And uh, what I see with Monty and like why I kind of you know put that question in there about the rawness is like he he just takes pretty raw bats still where um, you know, feel for the zone and expanding the zone and uh, especially on spin, just like swinging at spin that I just don't feel like a player uh, at age 23. I think he's 23. You know, he was a he was a prep draft. He's 23. So he's had a lot of development time. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not saying, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm coming in at a 55 grade on Monty. I had a six on him last year. So that tells you that, like, I'm I'm backing off a little bit. And it's because of the hip tool, and it's because of some of that. Like in this last year, like I just don't see it advancing. It didn't advance a lot, you know. And I've seen him in runs where like he's seeing the ball well, and he's able to keep his weight back. And he, I like him with a little bit more toned down leg kick uh, than he has right than he had when I saw him at the end of the year here. But like, it's really impressive. Like that's why I put a six on it because I've seen this guy with the strength and the bat speed, just like fight off stuff off the handle and still hit a double with it. You know, like it's a middle of the bat type of impact there. Um, but I'm starting to come down on like this guy could strike out 35. You know, he's going to strike out 30% of the time for me. Mm -hmm. And like, if we're in the age of baseball and you're the type of team or whatever that like, that's cool. And you're down with that. If it's it's probably going to come with, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to, I'm going to leave. I'm going to put it at 55 game because like, it's good enough and like there's enough pitchers miss enough that like he's going to hit his home runs. He's he's going to hit home runs. So like you're getting at like a, a low average high strikeout, but with power center fielder who can run like pretty darn good player, but I don't know if he's an all-star for me just because the, the offense, the way the, off- the way the hit tool is going to end up shaking out.
2: Mm-hmm. Got it. And from one power hitter to another here, a little bit different of a profile um, college bat, Brent Rooker. Who's a guy who blew up early last year with a ton of home runs, and now it's kind of even out a bit. I think he's up in Chattanooga. Um, yeah,
1: your Checking thoughts out. overall? Yeah, I um, he was one of the guys I didn't check. I wanted to see what his strikeout rate is, really quick. Um, I can help you. So it's that. something you see. You know, I've, I've seen a bunch this year with different guys, and Brett Rooker is a really good example of a guy. Yeah, he's striking out twenty six percent of the time, twenty nine percent last year. So um, so there's K issues. You know, some K issues mm-hmm. to look at there. I don't think that those K issues really have to be there. It's that he's making a choice and the approach is such that he wants to get to that power and hit the bombs and mm-hmm. it's going to come with Ks. Like I watched Brett Rooker take enough good at bats to know that if he wanted to hit for a higher average and strike out less I bet he could.
2: Interesting. You know.
1: If that makes any sense and like there are, there are numerous examples of guys like this in baseball right now where they're in the minors and they're kind of going through some of this approach transition whether or not it's like full 100% launch angle stuff or not, or whether it's, you know, just a matter of like, you know, we've always had guys that like will, will subtract hit for power or subtract power for hit. Like that's not that uncommon. And for me, Brett Rooker kind of – Brent Rooker kind of fits that profile a little bit. Like I, lo- I, I think he has a pretty good two-strike approach. Like, but he's also, you know, he, he swings and misses a lot because he, he's trying to launch everything. You know he's trying to launch a lot of stuff. If it's not two strikes, he's trying to launch it. So he's going to end up in two strike counts a lot. Um, I'm a little worried about the glove though. Like I, I think he's going to be a left fielder probably. Um, I just didn't love it at first base. I just the movement on the on the dirt and his kind of ability to like the hands with the hops and scooping and stuff just wasn't wasn't great. But um, you end up with a power hitting left fielder there. So. Um, because of you know it's it's a little bit similar, to Monty. Like the strikeout load um, is going to hurt him, but I think there's a little bit more of a hit hit tool there. But be, because he doesn't have the running ability, because he's a left fielder only, because I don't think he's going to be very good in left field. Like I end up more like an average regular grade with Brett Booker. Like Got it. you know, like if you're you know if you're like in a in a fantasy league or like a fantasy audience, like that home run total is going to you know be awesome for you from from any position, you know, or if it yeah, help sure. you you know depth of your league, you know. For me, and what I'm trying to do is like think about the overall value of the player to an organization at, in the major leagues. Like that defensive knock is big, you know, like not so big that it'll keep him from making it or like being a pro. He's already in Double A, but but um, enough that it it takes me down to more of an average regular than a than a uh, above average player.
3: Now, how does he compare and contrast for, from a guy that was in this year's draft? Uh, the Astros, well, Seth Beer, actually.
1: Oh, man, I was gonna. People asked asked me to compare uh, Rooker to Larnick. Beer, yeah, Seth Beer. Um, there's some similarity there, maybe. Well, not necessarily direct,
3: but I'm saying, you know, in terms yeah, of a um, guy that's not big defense, more bat first. Came yeah. from a big, you know, obviously Rooker was an SEC guy, I yeah. think, and Beer was an ACC guy. So, but still, big time college program, somewhat pedigree on that on that stage, went similar part, you know, spaces in the draft. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I find them to be, you know, just at least similar in that sense, not necessarily direct or you know, yeah, 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 player to yeah. player.
1: Yeah. No, they, they are. I was, I was, it depends on how you like, people like talk about similarity in different ways. Um, I don't care about like handedness and like the size stuff as much. It's more like how the tool grades shake out. And I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, I bet I shake out pretty similar on those tool grades. Um, I don't think Seth beer is going to be, is quite the hitter and has quite the raw power that, huh. that Rooker does. Okay, uh, from being honest about it. Like, um, you know, Rooker hits the ball freaking hard. <laughs> like he's yeah, he has got really does. Ball. Like, I didn't see a ba- Like batting practice was closed. Like, I have to make my, my power grades, you know, based off the game looks I had of four games with Seth Beer. So, like, I have him more as, like, a 55-raw power guy than a 6-raw power guy. And more of, like, a 50-game power guy than Rooker's probably more, like, you know. I could see. I, I think there's more probability of Rooker hitting more home runs than Beer, um, to be honest about it. You know another guy like he didn't he DH the whole time. I saw him. Um, I did see him play last summer with Team USA, and I think he may have been banged up. Me too. Was he banged up?
3: I I think so. I, he yeah. did not move well, so he, I was under the impression he. He, he looks bugged. better now, athletically
1: and movement wise, than he did to me last summer. I agree. Uh, From what I saw on video, I I agree one hundred percent. It's a left fielder first base profile for sure. Um, I I have never seen him shag a fly ball, so like I. I would, you know, I don't, I haven't figured out how I'm going to write the report yet. (laughs) Yet. Yeah. Probably with some consultation and some research um, with, with, you know, and talking to my bosses about it. But like, um, I, you know, I'm probably willing to say like, you know, put him like with a fringy left field grade or an average first grade, first base grade until I see it. But like, it was four games of DH. Um, You know, he's not really a runner, like there's some power in there, Um, but you know, I'm I'm learning and, and maybe this is another one of those things that's about my style and how I go about doing this, but like I value defense and I really value defense. Because when you get down to as you get up the levels with a lot of these guys, you're gonna see some similarities in how they hit and like what kind of production they can put up. So um being able to be good being able to play a better position or be good at the position you play goes a really long way. You know? That's a really good segue to Nick Madrigal, actually.
3: Yeah, I was actually I was actually going to say that. (laughs) Funny enough, so talk to us about Madrigal because I know Lance is a big fan. I like I like the player a lot. I I think there's guys that I'm higher on from a fantasy sense, but there's a scrum there at the top for me. There's almost a dozen players that could potentially be the best player that comes out of this draft. So um,
1: enough about that. Tell me about Madrigal. Yeah, and for me, like I don't think Nick Madrigal is one of those guys that's going to be the best player out of this draft. I think Nick Madrigal is going to be a really good major league baseball player for a long right. period of time. And that the money they invested in him was very low risk because.
2: Got it. Got it. Interesting. You know what I
1: mean? Like uh, he's, the, he's the, exa- you know, I'm, I, I'm, I've been thinking through, you know, you can tell. I like, I think through these, I, I don't just like see a guy and this just write the report. Like it, it takes sure. me a little time to think through. Um, and really process what I'm seeing. And one, one of my tendencies or one tendency that I'm working through is, is to get nitpicky with guys. And I feel like I can get nitpicky with the Nick type because I can tell you what he can do. He can play plus second base. Like he's a six for me at second base. Um, which would mean like, even though it's not a great arm, like emergency wise, he can play some short for you. Um, he can play some third for you maybe if if you're like a team that wants to like move him around or like has reasons to do that. Um, He's going to hit a lot of line drives and he's going to get on base. Like he he is definitely going to hit the ball. Like, you know, I'm going to say a six hit tool. So like he is not an elite runner um, by any stretch, but like he's a, he he has those short strides and he's a really instinctual player. So like he's going to add value as a runner and on the bases. So like, I don't have my I don't have those notes in front of me on what my my times are for his run, but let's say he's a he's there's a good chance he's a 55 or probably a six runner. So like, um, that's a lot to like, right? <laughs> like middle of the field, six hitter with not a ton of risk who can run and do different things for you defensively. Like that's a lot of things to like. I have him with like 30 power. Like, I, yeah. I just I don't see enough in the bat to like really like consistently drive, like he's going to hit some doubles. So like, I won't be surprised and maybe in my ultimate grade, I'll give him 40 game power, which that game power grade would be saying like handful of home runs and a bunch of doubles. Like that's probably what I could end up with. But like, um, you know, that's where the risk is for me. Like, it's just not a bat path. that's going to elevate the ball. And while like he makes that, he has that nice hard stroke. Um, He's able to barrel the ball like it just. It, it's not like I. I just don't see a guy that's going to like muscle a ton of doubles or like do anything like that. Like it's gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna be a lot of singles with some doubles mixed in, you know, like, um, and that has value because uh, especially like if you're into the approach and I think it's a pretty good approach. Like this could be a top of lineup guy for you on a good team, you know. Yeah. Like, gonna be in, I probably have as a fifty, but like. Uh, I'm not done yet. It could be a 55. Like, I wouldn't hurt anyone. I wouldn't kill anyone for having a 55 on it. But, like, I think there are other – there are going to be other second basemen in the league in his era that uh, give you that power that he's not going to be able to give you. Uh, So you're hoping that there's enough hit there to, like, have it make up for it, you know. But, you know, as far as, like, as a draft pick goes, like, for me he probably wasn't the fourth best player or whatever he got in the draft. But, like, um, he's one of the highest floor guys there in that draft for sure and comes with a lot of um, positive makeup. You know, secondhand, I I hear a lot of positive makeup stuff, you know, about Nick Magical. That's a pretty well-known fact. So, like, ton to like there.
2: And last kind of white suck I will touch on here Um, is Luis – oh, let's see if we is it it Robert or Robert? It's Robert. It's Robert. Um, Is it Robert? Yeah. uh, Damn. I always wanted this to be Robert. I don't know how it's Robert. Oh. (laughs) oh, Because it's not French. (laughs) Well, it just sounds better than Robert. Like, there's no way that he was in Cuba and people were calling him Louis Robert. Like, L- Lou Bob. Lou Bob. Lou Bob. I love that name. All right, Lou Bob. Lou Bob, John, is he the best uh, player you've seen this year in terms of fair value?
1: Um, He is not named Wander Samuel Franco. Yeah. So, <laughs> not go. the best, Uh, you know, it depends on how you want to do it with value and stuff. Like, there's different ways. Like, I, I put a seven on Wander. I have a six on Luis robert slash robert i don't want to get it wrong <laughs> from anyone <I'm> offending <laughs> uh a serial killer humor um
3: and the robert camp you're yeah. you're <laughs> off their christmas uh, so, this
1: yeah, so uh uh i have some other sixes out there this year but um uh, point being like i, I like this guy man. i like this guy like he is an elite athlete uh, he is still growing, I think. And he's a, he's a pretty big dude. Got like, I don't have it in front of me. He's six, two, he might be even six, three. He's well over 200 pounds. Probably. He's probably like 210, 215, Maybe. I don't know. Like he's a strong dude, uh, but he runs well. Um, and I think he can stick in center field. Um, I've talked to some other scouts about it. Like after I kind of wrote my, my piece to that up and I'm not alone in thinking that he can stick in center field. um, there are probably scenarios where he um, ends up in right field, um, even though he could probably handle center. For me, like, like it's it's one of those hard things to know with the situation. Where like, for me, when I say he can stick in center, like, I, there there's a possibility some team is going to have a better center fielder than him, you know, defensively, and want him in right field. The point is that like, uh, he's going to be a good defender, and if you are in a situation that you want a guy. Um, that you're cool with average defense and center field for your team scenario. Like he's going to be able to do it. Like he, he makes plays. The first step isn't great in center field, but like he can go get it. It's a good runner underway. The bat though, of course, like that's kind of a calling card. Um, and you know, his approach is his, his approach, um, flashes at times, which may be the wrong way to say it, but like he, he'll take some good at bats. Uh, he also expands the zone and he looks kind of raw at the plate still. But, you know, the, the thing about him that I pointed out a little bit to people on Twitter and have talked about a little bit is, like, he has such good bat speed and ha- is so strong that he can get to power without having to, like, do one of those really big leg kicks. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. mm-hmm. even though he is still figuring out his approach and even though there's some fluidity issues, you know, where, like, he does get out on his front foot or he does leak out his hip some or you know he'll pull off like you know still still figuring some of those things out but like for me like that that short that shorter stride and less of a leg kick like that's a lot that's a lot I like starting with that base when a guy is able to impact the baseball so well without having to like involve his lower half without having to have so much noise in his lower half to do it you know and it's one of those things I sometimes say in scouting reports like we talked about Monty Harrison like I don't think Monty Harrison needs near the leg kick that he's using. I think he would be better served to like shorten it down, but like, you know, I'm also not a hitting coach. So there's reasons these, these teams do these things and players do these things. But for Robert, for Robert Robert, um, that like that quiet lower half um, is, is, is a good indicator for me that, um, you know, the, there, there's power there. You know, he has to work. He has to get the swing working together better. And he has to make sure he's in counts where he can get to it. But like, He's gonna hit for power. He's gonna hit. He's gonna hit a share of bombs. I'm pretty confident in that.
2: I like it. I like it, man. All right, we got two more here, and then we're gonna to go to this. It's the Louis crazy section. League story. <laughs> the, yeah, so we're gonna talk Patino and Gonzalez here. Gonzalez, we'll start with. Actually, I, I lied in saying I was the last. Yeah, I, saw, I know. I but, wanted to uh, call you on that. Yeah, I know. Damn it! <laughs> you said that he is the guy you'd put directly behind robert uh john um and i actually can't say no much about luis gonzalez so think
1: might like i'd have to think about it okay but like the point is that like i i'm i'm higher on luis gonzalez probably than some other people are and higher than where he went in the draft and all those things um you know he is seeding center field to yeah he, he's been playing left um and robert is been in center um and i don't know if it's been like that all year i didn't look at the game log but like i see a good enough defender to play center field so like if you're down on luis gonzalez i'm guessing someone is down on him because he's really like looks like a tweener like if he's your left fielder like hmm. uh you know he's probably not going to give you a ton of power and he's not like an elite runner or a great runner he's a pretty i think he's a good hitter um but for me like i saw him when i saw him in left field like there's enough of an arm there like i probably have it as like a 45 or a 50 arm i'd have to check my grades but like just enough of an arm and enough glove to stay in center like now um suddenly it's not so much of a tweener profile because like there is some raw power in there like he has power like i was surprised by looking at the body now he's a little bit older for high he's a little old for high a no doubt but like like when you look at that body and you know you're not you're not seeing you're not expecting 50 raw to come out of it but like there's 50 raw in there you know, so like now I got this now I got a guy that's a pretty good hitter that can stick in center field and has a little bit of power um, that gets me excited. You know, like whereas like a guy like Rutherford, like I'm definitely like Rutherford's more of like the, the the tweener profile that scares me where like I know he can't play center field and I'm worried that there's not going to be enough power for the corner. Gonzalez doesn't have enough. You know, he's not going to profile as a starter in a corner. Like if you're if you like Gonzalez, it's because you think you can play center field. And maybe I'm maybe I'm. I could be hot, you know, I may be um, in the minority. on thinking he can play center field. I really don't know. I haven't talked to people. About it, but what I saw in those three games, like hmm. the reads are there. He can go get it. I think well enough. So that's why I like him. Um, and then, oh, Patino. Oh, yeah.
2: Patino. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> oh. Are you in love with him, John? No, no, no. I don't get like I don't no. know. You had like a, a tone there that seemed it. like you were like, oh Petinya. Yeah, it
3: was it was very like like what is it? Go- Gollum from like the, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it was I'm like the very the much my precious like. So
1: yeah, I don't know. Oh God, I'm so creepy. Uh,
3: it was all that time you spent in Vasilia.
1: <laughs> oh. I just I just spent way too much time alone on the road. Uh, but um no, um usually when I get quiet like that. The, the honesty, odd reason, this is like really embarrassing to admit. It's that um, it's because I think, because I, I think I'm really smart. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was pondering. John, you are
1: man. <laughs> I, I nailed the shit out of that Patino report, and I'm going to tell you why. No, um,
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> no, I get like that with Suli Matias because, like, okay. there are certain players that like I saw them at a time when um, not a lot of other people had seen them yet. I see. Okay, And I felt like I saw it and I saw it fast and I like, I saw it with conviction, you know? So like Patino is one of those guys. And when I got quiet there for a second, I was a thinking about what I want to say about it. But B B, it was like one of those moments for me in development where like, you know, I'm hard enough on myself. Like every once in a while I like to see, I see a guy like Patino and why I want to talk about it today is that like, I actually like was off on the grade, but it was still a good report. You know, we're like, I saw Luis Patino. Here's the story. I saw Luis Patino the Instructs uh, in May, not Instructs, sorry, extended in May, early May, and I saw him a couple weeks later in his first Fort Wayne start, and mm. I put a 55 grade on him, so I felt like I was shoving this 18-year-old that like we didn't know a lot about yet, and didn't have a lot of pro performance track record, and was small, and then I looked at some video recently, and I was short, like, he's actually a six, probably, like...
2: Wow! Wow! Like
1: I, I don't know how I'm not going to put a sixty on him now that wow. he has switched his usage from. Like I had the reason I had a fifty-five on him. The good news, the good reasons, are that it's a, it's a plus fastball, and I like really like the curveball. Like I had it with like a, mm-hmm. I can't remember what the grade is on the curveball. That's embarrassing. I can't. It's either sixty or fifty-five. Yeah, um, but the slider as the, the second of the two breakers. Well, he's flipped his usage. Like when I saw him both times, he was using the curveball more and, and not using the slider very much. And as a result, like it looked a little rough where now, interesting. Now he's a added some velo. He's like, he's throwing harder than he did for me. And he is throwing the slider more and it looks better than it did when I saw it. So it's looking like a six to me. So, mm. um, you know, as an evaluator and like trying to get better at doing this, it's like, it's important to remember, like we're getting these snapshots of these guys. Right. So it's like, I did my job well. If I saw this guy's a 55 then, and like, like I, I indicated to my front office that like, this is a guy we need to be interested in when it comes to trade talks. And like, here's where I think the value is, you know what I mean? And I also like, so, so that's good work. And I also like, missed you know what I mean like I was short you know what I mean so it's like I think about these examples a lot and like I return to my reports because like I want to next time put a six on Luis Patino when I see him twice in May not a 55 because right now and where he's going and how I ultimately project him is a six you know but like the 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 growth and the work is to like see, see is to like you know the important thing is that, like, I trusted my gut when I saw it initially, like, and I did a good job with that. Like, it's okay to come back. It's okay to look at the video. It's okay to, like, rewrite the report and a couple months later, when you have more information and know more, and be like, yeah, like, I was actually a little bit off. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a – yeah. like, it's just part of doing it. You know what I mean? And I, I sometimes – I think one of the reasons I want to talk about it is because, like, I don't, I don't know if people always understand that. Like, I didn't understand that very well when I was reading this stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. of of just how hard it is or like just how much things can change and that like there's really nothing wrong with like like the guys that are doing this like you guys do and the the other the other guys in the public sphere that are doing this like takes a lot of risk to put stuff out there about these guys because people are going to nail you if you're wrong but like um, and
3: it's bound to happen because players develop and change it's great about baseball right i mean that's that's the other part of it is maybe something's right at a particular moment and yeah. then, ultimately, long term becomes wrong as that player develops. It doesn't mean that the report was wrong. It just means that the player improved on whatever the you know, deficiency was that you might have spotted at that moment, or maybe they're just in something else entirely that you know he did yeah. as an alternative, whatever it might be. Yeah. And you, and you, you have,
1: have more know, margin. For error. I think, I think, I think you have more margin for error the higher the number is. Where like the fifty-five is telling my boss a lot of what he needs to know when it comes to trade talks. You know. Whereas like if it's a difference between a 40 and a 45 and the third or fourth piece in the trade, like it's much more important that I got it right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Like, so, um, you know, I used to think that the, that the grades on the most important, the top prospects and stuff, those are the ones that were needed the most time and took the most work. And I had to be like, you know, the top of my game on like those ones come a lot easier because like, there's reasons those guys are so good and it doesn't take a ton of, you know yeah i don't want to say it doesn't take a ton it's hard work but like it's easier to figure that out than it is to like look at a four-pitch guy who's like fastball of 90 and it's like ah, oh, kind of fringy like i don't know <laughs> like, is this thing gonna get hit hard or not like uh robert duggar is a great example who i just saw of that who like he has a he has a fringy fastball but like everything else is kind of good so like that's a lot harder than it is to like you know Look at look at Luis Patino, at 18 years old throwing in the mid to high 90s with four pitches, and say he's good.
2: Yeah, that's fair. But, that's very fair. Uh, John, I think that's it for player specific stuff. Yeah. I appreciate all the all the insight here. Awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit about we got like five minutes here um, about your dynasty league 28 teamer. You say that you've kind of risen from the ashes, I believe. So I want to hear about this. Well, well
1: um, I don't talk about I. I don't talk about my fantasy league very much, but um, but it just so happens that I made the playoffs and I'm going against um, one of, like I don't know any of the guys in the league really, uh, face-to-face, uh, one of those types of situations, but like uh, it's one of my best friends in the league. So I like, I wasn't going to talk about it, but because I'm just like, I'm just, I have to check the score really quick before I say anything. But, like I'm,
2: I'm housing <laughs> no him.
1: It's like, it's like, he's like my pupil and I'm his mentor. Like that's how it feels. And that's kind of what because uh-huh. I'm old and he's not. But like, um, yeah, I am just destroying the kid and it makes me feel so good inside <laughs> that I wanted to like go on air and talk about it. Uh, man. I'm, Check that score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm great. I'm up. Uh, we have a 14 category thing. I'm up 12, one, one, uh, Ooh. with only a couple days left here. Now, granted, we're close on some of these, but uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I, um, you know, fantasy is one of those things that like um, uh, it, it has really been a part of my process, uh, and I'm, I'm learning how to like communicate that to people well. But like, um, you know, I, I part of getting back into part of getting into baseball when I started like my initial writing job over at Pirates Prospects, like fantasy, getting into this big fantasy league was kind of part of it. Um, so, um, you know, it was how I kind of started getting into. You know, it was part of how I started getting into scouting and following knowing how to read scouting reports and knowing how to interpret scouting reports and knowing who scouting reports to trust and why to trust them and all those types of things. So, um, so yeah, I just rebuilt for three years and, uh, was awful and mm-hmm. turns out that when you do a lot of scouting, you get pretty good at drafting and trades. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I've been able to, uh, you know, rebuild a team and this is my first year of contention and, uh, it's a, hopefully going to be a long window and I spent all this money on free agents that have been terrible and I still have a chance to win this year. So like, it's, it's good living, man. Like what more should you ask for? You know, I'm in a cheap hotel and I've got a fantasy league. I've got a fantasy team that's doing well. I'm driving to Arizona to continue scouting uh, for the fall, which is exciting news for me. So um, overall I love it. life's good. Life's good. Beautiful. Beautiful. Because, um you know, I was kind of trying to figure out like how has my team, um, that was kinda of like almost didn't make the playoffs and was a wild card, like how did I do this? But I have Alex Bregman. So like if you have Alex Bregman, there you I mean, go. Um, things just get real easy sometimes.
2: <laughs> I, and, and watch. Like last
1: week, I don't know, I don't have it in front of me. I'm pretty sure his OPS last week was two thousand. Like I'd have to look it up. But like,
2: It was insane. I did see some small sample stat that was like uh, my yeah, for
1: that one week, like I don't I'm not a s I'm not i am not going to like project on this stuff or whatever i'm just talking about like from a sheer like i own this guy in fantasy like to get a week in the playoffs of the 2000 ops uh, oh man when you when you we have average obp and slugging as, as stats for us as our part of our seven so like yeah mm-hmm. man, so good
2: <laughs> i love it john yeah. John, I think that's all we got for you. We don't want to keep you here too late. Uh, we're about an hour and a half in. Any any final thoughts, Ralph, or, or John, or anyone here? Or no, send no. The, send the listeners off. I'm just
3: I'm this I'm glad great. we were able to get John on and not focus on uh, who is it? Louis Santana from Kingsport that we had to talk about, like at <laughs> be Santana, Santana
1: a freaking Hall of Famer, and like these recordings are going to come back to bite me in the ass. I know. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. I don't I don't know.
3: He's gonna have to figure out where he's gonna play uh, defensively. We've seen yeah, him that cal- for Willie Calhoun.
1: I'm not too worried about uh, my projection on that guy. But a good- <laughs> no, um I guess just to, you know uh, follow, you know, I'm my Twitter handles at 2080 underscore john. Uh, I will have um you know I don't know when we're going to, when you guys will have this up, but um, some of these guys we talked about uh, will definitely be up there. Should definitely be up there on the site, scouting reports and video on them. Um, So yeah, look for more stuff out of me um, to wrap up 2018 and um, I'm excited. I'm going to be doing coverage um, and and have some things to do baseball wise uh, out in the fall league and, um, and instructs. So I'm excited to be doing that. So Love it. I've been. I haven't seen a baseball game in a couple of days, and it'll be a couple more. But we're getting to the point that uh, I'll be. I'll be out in Arizona, and that's exciting. So,
2: absolutely awesome, John. Thanks a ton for coming on, man. We really appreciate hey, it. this.
1: Yeah. Was I, a fun to, talk. I love talking about this stuff.
2: Love yeah, this is great. We'll definitely have you on again, or even just chat, meeting Ralph. I'd love to do that sometime. Yeah, for I'll sure. Happen. Thanks again, man. No problem. To- I could
1: come through a town near you at any point. So I'll let
2: <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Maybe even Vassalia. <laughs> to all the listeners on the Reservoir Prospect Podcast, thanks a ton for joining us as always. Um, we will see you guys next week as always. Take care.